one, go. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Hi, I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the graphic novel review editor for Publishers Weekly, as well as the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. So you can check us out on Twitter at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer, and you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes and on social media uh, on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. All right, this week on More to Come, PW's best books of 2016, the best five or six graphic novels uh, of 2016. Uh, what's going on at Book Expo and Book Con? AT&T and Time Warner make eyes at each other. And Chelsea Kane um, and harassment on Twitter. Uh, but first, let's go back to the top of our list. This uh, PW uh, released its best books of the year list. Uh, and we got, you know, we got the graphic novel section covered pretty much. Yes, um, we did. We have five picks. Yes, yeah. I only yeah. do. And there's one more from the children's department. We'll talk right. about them all. So um, making, uh, six uh, so, so we go down the list? Yeah, and, uh, let's, let's go down the list. We could alternate. Why don't you start off? Okay, well, the first on the list is The Art of Charlie Chan, Hawk Chai by Sunny Liu. Yeah. Uh, published last year in uh, Singapore and this year yes, by yes, Pantheon, earlier yeah. in the year. Uh, How to Survive in the North by Luke Healy from No Brow. Oh. Uh, March, book three by John Lewis, Andrew Aiden, and Nate Powell. Uh, the 100 Nights of Hero by Isabel Greenberg, um, published by... Uh, was the publisher? Little Brow. Little Brow. Oh, and the final one? Oh, and yeah. Rosalie Lightning, a graphic memoir by Tom Hart, published by St. Martin's. And um, the children's department here um, uh, picked one graphic novel, Raina Telgemeier's Ghost, uh, published by Graphics. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we can go down the list. I mean, we talked earlier in the year about the art of Chow Chen Hawk Chai, an absolute masterpiece. Yes, uh, we've talked about Rosalie Lightning. I think, you know, both those books came out very early in hmm. 2016. And um, I, I, it was funny because on the beat, uh, I think in March, I had... Uh, a post that was called which is the book of the year so far because those two books and actually one of our reviewers uh, had mentioned uh, this book Wendy which is actually a very good book no it wasn't that it was another book that was published by Koyama Press that's also a very good book mm. in my opinion not as good as uh, Charlie Chan Hawk Chai and Rosalie Lightning but uh, you know what these books came out in the in January and February and uh, I think they're unsurpassed since then uh, I think it's a testament to the to the, to the art and the craft of those books, um, uh, particularly Charlie Chan Hawk Chai, which was out there first, right? Um, and and immediately it was never in doubt that yeah, it would absolutely. be on the final, even though it was published very early in the year. Yeah, never. And, and I mean, this book has created a sensation in Singapore, where uh, mm. Sunny Lou lives, because it's a book about the history of Singapore, yeah. and you know what it does is it, it uses a collage of art styles where it takes this fictional uh, cartoonist. And uses him as a lens for all the social changes and, and political, uh, you know, upheavals of, of Singapore. And uh, it was controversial there, actually. He had a grant withdrawn. He had gotten a grant for the book, and it was withdrawn later on uh, because of the criticisms of the, of the government. And, uh, you know, created quite a stir. But, I mean, it's a bestseller. It's, you know, it's like their mouse or Persepolis, yeah, basically. And, and, and an, act, an excellent comparison. I mean, he tells the history of the nation through a fictional cartoonist 
and and he recreates his great works in every historical yes. period from scratch. I mean, it's it's just a way, great work of virtuoso cartooning. Yes, it's totally virtuoso. Uh, and history. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really, really quite amazing. Uh, and uh, How to Survive in the North um, is a very interesting because it alternates a fictional chapter with a uh, a work that recreates an actual uh, Arctic exploration yeah. from 1922. Yeah, but this book is published by Nobrow, so it's kind of in the Nobrow style of, uh, you know, like uh, very simple line yeah. drawings and use of color. But Luke Keeley, the cartoonist, is uh, he's a CCS grad, actually, and uh, Center for Cartoon Studies. And he's obviously absorbed the lessons well, because this book is really masterful. You know, it, it's it's about survival. Uh, you know, the title is quite literal. And, and one story mm. is about uh, a, a Native uh, woman who is... Uh, I didn't even know this is a true story. Yeah. I thought it was made up, because it's so perfect. Uh, yes. Basically, it's like there's this ill-fated expedition to the North Pole... And uh, bad things happen, and this woman ends up living with a cat in a in an ice cave with this injured man for two yeah. years. I'm like, wow, a, woman, uh, mm. a native woman or a cat surviving for two years? Wow, that's a good one. But she's actually a real person. She's a real hero yeah. in, in Canada. I'm like, why have you never heard of her? Yes. Because no one cares about Canada. Ada Blackjack, I believe. Uh, Ada Blackjack, yeah. yeah. But, you know, and um, the cat. The cat made There is the cat, too, yeah. You know? So, it's, it's <laughs> That's funny. a spoiler I want. I wouldn't have read it if the cat died. I, I, I know, exactly. But anyway, but at the same time, it is juxtaposed with a contemporary story about a professor who was also negotiating contemporary issues of survival. Yes. Uh, which I, we'll be actually talking about yes. later in the podcast. Uh, those kind of issues, but you know, reputation and sexuality, and, and he also happens to kind of be in the the office of a uh, of a kind of a scholar who was a part of that original uh, expedition. Yes. So, yes. It, it, um, and also, I mean, it's drawn in a very simple story, but a uh, simple art style. But don't let that fool you. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. it's it's very moving, um, very moving story. Yeah, very well crafted. Um, hey, hey, and rewinding yeah. to Charlie Shanhock Chai, I wonder if his and his success has anything to do with the fact that. So Shojaka Khan has now announced that it is doing a 248-page manga biography of uh, Singapore's Lee Kuan Yew. Yeah. Like, interesting. Well, if that was the trailblazer, if they were like, yeah. hey, like people actually want comics about Sin- Singapore, or if it's just a coincidence, yeah, or I, if Singapore's having know, a moment. Yeah. It could well, be the have, case. Well, they have comics there. Yeah. I mean, there there are quite a few Singapore, uh, mm. Malaysia. There are comics throughout the, well, throughout the uh, region. Um, and, uh, but you know, they, they, you're right. They have a moment as, as time goes by. So. Yeah. Uh, actually, Heidi, could you say a few words about, uh, uh, Hundred Nights of uh, Heroes? Yes. Uh, Hundred and One Nights of Heroes by Isabel Greenberg. It's follow up to, uh, her previous book, The Encyclopedia of Early Earth, uh, which was, uh, she's English, she's an English cartoonist. And, um, you know, these books were originally published in England and, um, uh, I don't feel they've gotten the attention that they deserve here because she's incredible. She is like a fabulist, uh, fantasist. I mean, these books are set in her own invented world. And I would say they're like a cross between Linda Barry and Neil Gaiman. So, hmm. uh, you know, if that, <laughs> if that interests you, but I mean, basically 101 nights, 100 nights a hero is a takeoff on Shahrazad where these two characters have to tell stories in order to survive um, abuse and a lot of it is about women and how they're treated in in society and 
you know, so much of this is, uh, I need to run this before next Tuesday, uh, but, you know, it's about women who aren't believed, who aren't trusted, but but who, uh, you know, there's a lot of characters in here who are just like John, Donald Trump, let's put it that way. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the book was, I'm sure, written mm. long before the uh, the Access Hollywood tape came out. But, but uh, uh, be honest, uh, long before there was a Donald Trump in this world, there have been the Donald Trumps yes. of the world. And this book is very much about smart uh, brave women who fight against the Donald Trumps of the world by being great storytellers. So, uh, you know, I hope, I hope this book, I hope both of these books, uh, by, by Greenberg really get a little bit more attention because she's really, I mean, I never heard of them before really, this moment. I, you know what? I've heard of them and, I, and, and to my own great embarrassment, I have not read yeah. them. Although I, she's the very definition of a kind of an underground hit. I mean, I seem to know so many people who love this book. Yeah. Uh, and there's just as many people who have never heard of it. Right. But it's very much in the tradition. The reason why I mentioned Neil Gaiman is because it's very much in the tradition of, uh, I mean, Sandman, where she's using mm-hmm. a made-up in, in mythology to tell these stories about, you know, loyalty and love and, and heartache and all, and all these things. And I, I, well, I mean, like fantasy novels. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's very much in that. It's exactly in that tradition. Uh, you know what? Her art is more like a woodcut kind of style. I yeah. mean, it's not real uh, slick, but I think it's very, very... Uh, slick's the wrong word. Um, it's actually, I think if a lot of comic book aficionados would look at it, they would think that it wasn't that great. But for people who don't necessarily read comics, I think it's incredibly accessible and really... I mean, it's gorgeous. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah, highest recommendation because it's on our best books list. Yes. Uh, and of course, Rosalie Lightning is just the, the heart-rending... Um uh, really, memoir by Tom Hart yes. uh, about um, the death of his child, his and uh, Lila Corman, right. and um, it's a, a great work of art that's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a masterpiece. I mean, yeah. uh, it, you know, to me, this maybe I'm maybe I'm um, you know prejudiced by knowing Tom and Lila yeah. and yeah. Rosalie, and uh, but I, I just to me this tower is it, it's above, great. Uh, yeah. It's one of the greatest graphic novels ever put to paper. I yeah. believe. Um, just in terms of its emotion, and um, well, I mean, it's yeah, it's yeah. devastating. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just there's a nothing to be said about yeah. it, like, yeah. but except it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Now uh, and, and March, of course, March and Ghost. Yes. Um, we'll, you we'll, know, we've yeah. said plenty about those. Absolutely. I mean, this is book three. It's a concluding. Is this a concluding uh, volume? Uh, listeners, I would like to apologize to you to the, for the fact that occasionally sirens seem to creep in no matter what we do. We're sorry. We were recording this in an office in New York City, and they're just really hard to keep out. Yeah, we don't want yeah. to have noise baffles here. Yeah, and the city's full of emergencies. Yeah. So as we were saying, yes, uh, March book three <laughs> at the concluding um, volume of, a, yes. of another uh, masterpiece. Which is a national book award finalist. Yes. So, yes. Uh, you know, we're not the only ones to yeah. like this book. Um, and you know, apparently, it's not the final book. That no, really? there's going to be more. Yes. There's going to be more. Yes. I mean, this is the concluding volume of the trilogy of his life, but they're looking at th- this book has really been a sensation. But it doesn't really. I mean, it only goes through the civil rights era. Um, it does not cover right. his life past that. No, it doesn't. And as his as, time in Congress and all the rest. Maybe yeah. uh, Andrew Iden uh, hinted to me at some yes. point. There's a lot more story to tell. Yes, there is absolutely more story to tell. And, it's I, think, just, I, can and s- I think he's got the comics bug in his place. Yeah. Excuse me, can you go on? Yeah, and I think maybe the reason that it's not part of the March trilogy is just it's a different story. Yes. You know? Yes, well, yeah, sure. Yeah, and this sure. is based on, on uh, Robert right. Lewis's book. So, yeah. Yes. You know, and people like trilogies. 
They don't say quadrology. Yes. Well, but I mean, I think it's it's sometimes good to as as an American fan who sometimes looks at like manga mega series and goes, but where does this storyline end? Sometimes it's nice to clearly delineate in a long epic where one storyline ends and the next one begins. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he wanted to be because originally this project was supposed to be one book. And they realized it was impossible to right. tell this story, this epic story. Uh, so, but now that they have really, I mean, I think and particularly uh, Representative Lewis uh, has had a taste of the comic book life, so to speak, uh, and, and comic book storytelling. I think he's really, I think he knows that there's more story to tell. Yeah. And the whole group of them, I think we yeah. can expect to see more. Well, without you know, out. listen, only six titles uh, out of, you know, it was hard to narrow down. There's a lot of great books that didn't yes. make Oh, Ghost. Did we, we did mention yeah, Ghost we, we, by Raymond Tuggerman. Yes, uh, so more to come. But, you know, you mentioned John Lewis being bitten by the comics bug, and a lot of people have been bit by the comics bug. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of changes with Book Expo and Book Con, and I do think that's part of what, something we've been talking about for years, the Comic-Conification. Yeah, a oh, lot of with events. A, without a doubt. I mean, and Book Con is a, is a perfect example of that. It's It started as essentially a consumer side of Book Expo. And it will continue to be that. But what we've seen, you know, very recently, of course, is that the um, uh, Reed Pop, the organizer, the show organizer, is using it as a kind of movable feast. Uh, using it at New York Comic Con uh, to kind of help the traffic it's on the floor. And they've also said that they expect to sort of use it in other places, either in the U.S. or outside of so, the U.S. So, Calvin, do you know if there's going to be another book con in New York yes. uh, before next New York Comic Con no. because okay so it's, it's <laughs> it'll just be at cool. the next it'll, no yeah excuse me yes it will be at the next book expo which is it back in New but York but what they've done is they've met remember I've said this on this podcast before or you know we all said it it's like if you notice book expo is getting shorter and shorter book con's getting longer and longer it used to yeah. be five days well and now it's only two book expo two yes well that's time. those are part of the changes but the other Okay. Well, what I was going to say is the reason I asked is that some, well, I don't know that they're necessarily clear enough about it, because various fans had told me, oh, well, I like New York Comic Con and I like Book Con, but I'm not so happy that they smooshed them together because it feels like, like it doesn't have, it only has books that like Comic Con people would like and it's just not getting as much time. And I'm like, I think there's going to be another one. They're like, really? Yes. <laughs> yes so... Well, first of all, it's it it will continue to be an event alongside of Book Expo, right? Uh, but it, it and believe me, this is where its most growth was, was is in New York. So we go back; it will go back to being a, a part of Book Expo. Book Expo is dropping America from mm-hmm. its name. It will be just Book Expo. They don't want to be tied down. But people to, are still going to gonna call it BEA. Uh, people will probably for a long while. Believe yeah. me, as someone who was there before BEA, I called it ABA for another five years after it switch so for sure um but they've got a new graphic that they've got out there uh book expo will be two days thursday and friday book con will be two days uh saturday sunday they are projecting twenty five thousand fans they also are really working to as they put it they want to grow it beyond millennial females yes which is which boys they want boys at the show for them um, they want uh, men to be welcome at BookCon. Now, comics have always been a, a key part of BookCon, weirdly enough, except when it's a part of New York Comic Con. There were not, as I recall, there weren't any comics people involved in there 
in in Bukai at New York Comic Con. I'm sure that's going to change when it's back part of BE. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's because if you already have Comic Con programming at New York Comic Con right. at the exact same time, why would you also have it at right. Bukai? It's just confusing. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um. Well, but you know, I, I wonder. I wonder how much they're really going to be able to grasp the mail market as much as they want because the fact of the matter is look at any study um women just buy more books no there's no doubt about it. <laughs> of course. Uh, well i think they can I, so I don't they think might buy more book content it's never going to not in our lifetimes uh boys men are never going to outstrip that but i think they what they feel like they can get more boys they have certainly than, than they have before well, there's always been boys at book con but i think they can get more and I think, you know, comics may be a part of how they do that. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. they'll just have Odell Beckham Jr. there or something. Hey, well, there you, you know? go, you know, or, you know, the Hulk. I <laughs> yeah, don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, Stan Lee uh, or something. Although he's actually been at BookCon before. But, uh, another key in- interest, and I even started seeing some uh, uh, blogs, blog posts and tweets that are worried about this, is they are going to reduce the so-called... Uh, some of the professionally oriented market that um, that, that gets into book content. Now, what do you make of that? I didn't get that at all. Well, this is what it is. They want. They don't want. They want to get a big attendance at BookCon, but at Book Expo, they want a small, select, and highly curated audience right. of book professionals. They want a qual- I, I'm making qualified audience. They want. They want the people that publishers want to talk to. They don't necessarily want book bloggers, um, and they're, so they're going to be very. They're going to be, uh, and this is a. I'm talking about Book Expo now. Right. Book they Expo. are going to be very. Uh, they're going to filter out people. They. That's what they've said. They're going to reduce the number Denied. of bloggers. They are getting rid of the uh, the self publishing yeah. uh, event that used to be there. You publish you. So um, this is going to be interesting. I'm sure there's going to be some. Uh, well, Calvin, as hurt you, feelings. Yeah, because as you and I know, like if you go there, and you know when I when I, but you know as as a staffer, as you you know you get a badge from Publishers Week, you're required to work at the booth for an hour. Sure. Uh, uh, you know, at least one hour or two hours, and during that time, the people who come onto the booth are all aspiring authors. Sure. So one question they all ask is, how do I get my book reviewed in Publishers Weekly? Yes, you do. know, and then briefly they had a book life booth, and it was the greatest. Uh, BEA ever when he just said why don't you just go over there and talk yes, to Carl yes. there's a man named Carl there why don't you go talk to him and by the end of that show Carl never wanted to have a booth again <laughs> so uh, not blaming him at all for that but um, yeah you know there's a lot of looky loos and guess what they yeah. can go to book con just like aspiring comics creators go to comic con well, and, and that's Trundle a good around point. With their, with they, you, they, you mean they, they come to Big Book Expo? They they're allowed to come to Book Con with I'm all saying. the other fans. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like you know, I, I mean, I, I read this in your story and uh, or the story, and I was like, uh, I was like, huh, I didn't quite get what the import of that move was, but now I yeah yeah yeah. Well, the, they, the publishers don't want um, uh, self published authors and um, bloggers uh, fighting with retailers for the free galleys. Yep, they want the real people. <laughs> that's what they. Food. That's they that. The that's sellers. the deal. If you're a bookseller, you're welcome. Especially galleys that show up on eBay, you know, in the immediate aftermath. Yeah, that's the show. Yeah. So uh, these are all these, these are all tangential but important to comics publishers because they're important to all publishers. But I, but I mean, I think you know one thing. Uh, I'm, I just keep writing about this and hearing it. But I, you know, I'm from the beginning of Book Expo. Book Expo was created to try to bring some of the excitement of Comic-Con to the book world. 
You know, and well, also Bukhan was yes, Bukhan was made to do yes, yes. Bukhan was meant to do that. Yes, and, and all the sweet, it. sweet Comic Con money. See the sweet Comic Con money, yeah. but uh, you know, and I think uh, I, I just I, I, I hearing this in other walks of life is just you know the Comic Con experience has become something that is the envy of the yes of every other industry absolutely. at this point. And remember, also in addition to what that reason for Bukhan, also. To placate terrified uh, book publishers yes. who were afraid that Book Expo was going to be turned into a consumer yes. show and that this will be interfere in their ability. They, and that they spend all their time dealing with consumers. I know, because, you know, and not professionals. Because book consumers really have this awful habit of spending <laughs> their money on books. Right. And it's really something we need to cut down and on. And publishers don't like dealing yeah. directly with consumers. Well, they, don't. they just don't like doing but, it. But, you know, at, at New York Comic Con, I, I may have mentioned this in our New York Comic Con wrap up. Uh, I did mention it briefly in our story. But uh, there's a lot of, as we say, um, traditional book publishers at New York Comic Con. And yes. I was talking to uh, April yes. Whitney. At uh, Chronicle, and they're mm-hmm. regular, and and they love it. Sure. I mean, she's you know, and she was saying how all the staffers who come to New York Comic Con are amazed to see the excitement of their consumers, uh, absolutely. with the books. Thank and you. you know what? This is this is this is the way it's going. Sure. Well, smaller publishers are usually a little more yes, sensible about this more. than some of the giant, uh, the big five. Um, but so what they have done is come up with the ace, cut the baby in half. Uh, yeah. basically yeah. solution. And Heidi predicts the baby will get smaller and smaller. Oh, yeah. Time. One of the babies is going to get small. The other baby is going to get really big. Yep. And it's not oh, yes. going to be B.E. No, as it's I, not. As so, you know, remember new... the good old days <laughs> the, of, the, of the dance club, yeah, uh, before the ghost town. Um. Anyway, uh, well, speaking of big um, corporation stuff, there's a huge uh, big corporate move with AT&T uh, buying Time Warner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, so. and people are in the news are talking about what this means for cable and what yes. this means for phone bills and what this means for content, but no one's talking about what matters to us, which is what does it mean for DC? Yeah, well, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, I guess it will mean something. I'm not entirely sure what. It certainly isn't going to hurt them in any way. Well, it's just another platform well, to like I think when you read about spew the, content. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I think when you meet, read about uh, the deal, I mean, everybody says that delivery is more important as yeah. the content right now. So, yeah, I don't know. Right. What yeah. do you think? Well, I mean, I think something that does worry me slightly is that comics never make quite as much money as someone not raised up in the comic industry wants. They don't. The business model is not as high margin as it might be in other industries. And people keep thinking, oh, it's got a big famous name. Why is not the margin higher? And so, you know, it takes a while for your corporate masters to get used to the fact that that's just how the comic biz is. And so now they're going to have a new set of corporate masters, and I hope they don't get their hopes up too high. But I mean, I, I personally don't see it affecting uh, DC very much. I mean, publishing future, doesn't no. publishing in anything doesn't generate any kinds of... Um, profit margins that anybody in any other media would, would respect. But the content generates so much money further down the food chain. And I think uh, I think everybody uh, at the higher corporate levels understands that and, at this and I point. Think when you look, this is a golden goose. And when AT&T looked at what they had bought, they said, um, you know, we bought HBO, which has uh, awesome cable penetration, and we bought... Um, uh, CNN, which is a great news organization, and we bought Bugs Bunny, and we bought Batman, yeah. and that's awesome. And they didn't say, oh, but those little pamphlets don't sell, I think. Yeah, you know, the no. one thing we have to look for is really something we've been talking about for a long time, 
which is current studio head uh, Kevin Sujahara, who's had a uh, up and down mm, tenure. To say the least. I think so. I yes. think that's fair to say. Um, you know, uh, and whether I think I think before we worry about it because this deal is not even going to be approved. Yeah, if, it, if, it, it may if, not be approved. approved. I mean, everybody's right. looking at it sideways for sure. Yes. Uh, if it is approved, uh, it won't go through for a year. So we have a long time mm-hmm. to, uh, to shuffle those deck chairs. And, uh, you know, I think this week, you know, trouble in, uh, DC movie land yet again with the director of the flash, oh, yeah. uh, bailing due to creative differences. And, uh, you know, there's been, you know, this the second director. Wait, wait, the flash. The, the flash TV or the flash no, movie? The flash movie. Yeah. And I, he, uh, I can never remember his name. I'm sorry. Yeah, I do I apologize. It. It's a. Uh, it's a very unusual name. But anyway, yeah, he, he's left due to creative differences. He's the second director to leave. Um, it's cursed. It is. It, it's like Defense Against the Dark Arts. around Diane Nelson and, you know, yeah, well, what her role is or will be right. in the future. Well, I think, you know, I mean, they we haven't even talked about the whole Wonder Woman thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they had this big event at the UN. That sounded like a great idea at first. Mm-hmm. And then some people at the UN were like, well. I know. We didn't talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we didn't but, talk but about it. I didn't find out until later. The UN wasn't necessarily happy about this. There weren't. There was a no. silent protest. No, and they had um, some specific criticisms of the Wonder Woman character. Yeah. But, you know, I went to the event and, um, you know, it was very impressive. And Diane Nelson's very impressive speaker, you know, at the UN. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's uh, definitely being primed for, she heads up consumer products now, and, uh, you know, she wants to be in a good position for moving yeah. forward. So, uh, anyway, I think that it's a big meta level. I think the changes that will come at AT&T will be changes, but they'll be at a very high meta level. Um, you know, whereas the well, macro right now is why won't anyone direct the flash? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, shall we segue to a topic that seems to come up far too often? Yes. Uh, harassment on Twitter and the incidents around, uh, Chelsea Kane, writer for Mockingbird. Yes. Um, yes. where do we begin? Um, She's well, leaving Twitter. Well, well, we, you, maybe you know, no, no, no. She did. Well, she deleted her Twitter account. But yeah. you know, this all started. I, there's so many levels to this, and you know, I think we talk here all the time about uh, internet outrage and you know whatever the outrage du jour is. And uh, over the time we've been doing this, um, you know, Twitter has really developed into the jousting tourney grounds yeah, yeah, for the yeah. a lot of these uh, events. Yeah. And it's certainly played out there. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, uh, Mockingbird was canceled. Yes. The final issue came mm-hmm. out. Uh, it was written by Chelsea Kane, who's best-selling author yes. in the print arena. Yes. This was her first she's, comic she's work. Mm-hmm. She's a novelist. And uh, on the cover of the comic was uh, the character of Mockingbird wearing a T-shirt that said, Ask Me About My Feminist Agenda. Which I thought was really cool. <laughs> which, is an, which is, to be fair, an adaptation of a real T-shirt that says, Ask Me About My Radical Feminist Agenda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, most people were very sad that this book got canceled because mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of praise for it, a lot of good reviews. Mm-hmm. And, uh, however, there were some people on Twitter who are uh, were... Uh, uh, you know, posting disparaging comments. Uh, you know, I'm glad it got canceled because it sucked. Uh, that kind of thing. And uh, you know, Kane, she. Well, but it wasn't just that. I mean, it was. It stank because it was shoving an agenda down people's throat. Yeah. <sighs> right. Right. And yeah. this is what you get if you shove agendas down people's right. throats. It definitely Rawr. caught up in the entire uh, culture wars of comics. Yes. yes. It became another yet another pawn in the culture yeah. wars. Yeah. But I mean, it's interesting. I mean, look, I read the I read the the the, uh, the collected thing, um, and 
you know, look, I'm not, I, it's, is it my book for me or aimed at me? Not necessarily, but I liked a lot of the things she did in it. And I thought she brought a fresh eye to it. I thought she really kind of conceptually worked to undermine a lot of superhero tropes. Uh, it was a clearly a female's point of view superhero comic book. And, uh, and, it, and once again, I also kind of took it as a tongue in cheek comic, superhero comic book that did not take itself terribly seriously. So there's a lot of reasons to like this book. But, you know, I will say there's a lot of reasons that you can criticize it, too. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, I mean, we, we were talking about this earlier. Where does it go too far in one well, direction? But, I know I what, think, but, but here's, you know, here's what, like, like, the, what happened was, uh, you know, it was, it was a Tuesday night. And Chelsea Kane started tweeting about how she was getting uh, these harassing tweets. And then she just said, you know, my, my daughter just tweeted me from the other room saying, I love you, Mommy, and uh, I think I'd rather spend time with her, so maybe I'm going to leave Twitter. And uh, and then, like a brew, a stew in the crock pot, it just bubbled and bubbled and bubbled uh, all night long. Uh, just because this is really the thing. And, I, you know, not to say that there's not harassment on Twitter. There certainly is. And one of the points that Kane brought up was that she is a best-selling author in fiction, and it wasn't until she started writing comics that she started getting people on Twitter harassing her, and that it's part of the comics culture. Well, I think that's fair. I do too. I think that's, that's fair. I, I think it's perfectly fair. It is. It's and I think fair. it takes, I think maybe people the reason... you you suck. It's part of the deal. Well, yeah. Well, but, should, <laughs> but it shouldn't be. But, Go on. No. I mean, well, one, I think it did get more culture wars than just yeah. like, I don't like your book. And two, I think... For a lot of people, and I think the reason it caught fire, it was just like a wake-up call that, like, hey, this is not necessarily how it is everywhere. Like, this is not typical for a book author. They don't have to take this crap. Like, maybe we have gotten used to the fact that ours is a culture of a certain amount of verbal abuse. And maybe that's not cool. Um, I, I, I agree. I agree. And, I mean, it's not not that it doesn't happen to people other than her. Not that people other than her don't get it much worse. But that, like, maybe it's all bad and we should be less tolerant of it in our... Yeah, but, I, but I think where this... But I think one of the things that also happened with this is that, uh, you know, and there was a huge I Stand With Chelsea King mm-hmm. movement that sprung up, okay, and yeah. people started, like, posting... You know, redrawings the cover and like overnight, yeah. but I mean, it really did kind of, yeah. kind of, uh, you know, it, like I said, it was in the crock pot all night. Uh, and then the next morning, there was uh, everybody who had an agenda had jumped on this with their own yeah. take on the agenda. That wasn't necessarily, the, you know, Brian Bendis had, uh, who uh, recruited Chelsea Kane as a friend and mentor of hers, uh, you know, who was instrumental in getting her to write Mockingbird, mm-hmm. uh, tweeted at her, uh, it's not just comics, which, to be fair, is a pretty dumb comment. Okay, uh, yeah. And then she said, "Yes, it <laughs> yes, is it comics, is. and I'll tell you about it next yeah. time." Now, then a whole other side uh, started tweeting about Brian Bendis and what a jerk he is. Okay, yeah. and then like you know, other people, uh, you know, Nick Spencer, everybody got involved. Of course, Nick Spencer is hated, has had death threats uh, going ongoing and for months. Who is Nick since. Spencer? He writes uh, Captain America. The uh, the Steve Rogers where he was the the Hydra. Um, oh, that comic right. exactly. But you know what? That comic doesn't deserve death threats. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm not. No sa- I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it no. deserves death threats. I'm saying 
I now understand why he's an unpopular man. Right. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, something... But he... I, I mean, this man is somebody who I've followed on Twitter for a long time. And I've got to tell you, uh, he's really barely functional anymore on Twitter. I mean, he needs, he needs to quit Twitter. Because he has gotten a level of criticism and... Uh, I don't know if you want to call it harassment, but he's certainly got a level of criticism, constant criticism. And you know what? I don't think he should have to put up with it either. You know, I just see that all of this is not epidemic. Like this, this, this feeling that Twitter is the place to just tell people how you feel, let it all hang out, uh, is not limited to one side of the argument. Okay. And I don't think the ends justify the means. Well, maybe that's going to make me unpopular, but I really don't. I don't think two rights make a wrong. And I think that's part of what this whole country is going through. Heidi, right you now. said two rights make a wrong. <laughs> said, well, I don't think two right, two wrongs make a right either. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I. <laughs> but can't we look at the Nick Spencer situation as well and all of it and say that comics has turned into a place? But you know, but where it hasn't turned into that. It's always been there. Okay? Yeah, it you really know, has. There always has. There's always been. I worked at DC. You should see the letters. People yeah. had to write them by hand. We've always gotten these letters from fans who thought they knew better. Absolutely. It's not a new thing. That's the this nature. Is, it is. It's a part of the fan of business. It's part of the comics fan business. It absolutely is. Um, just overly aggressive opinions about... You know, I mean, on the one hand, one of the great things about comics is that the fans really embrace these franchises. They see it as theirs. It's a great thing. It's you know, it's a know small it. and intimate industry. And yeah, it is. Yes, it's very small and, and very um, intimate. And the bad thing about it is that the fans embrace these things and see them as their own. I mean, it, it, it's weirdly the same thing produces the same thing on the other side because it go it, it, it there's no sense of control. No, there's I'm, no sense of boundaries I, I wanna, sometimes. I want to read you something that just just happened to me on Twitter, all right? Uh, and, but, you know, I was asking for it, okay? I will say that. So, I don't know if anybody watches You were asking for it? Listen to well, what I, listen to the rest careful of the story, of that trope. And then you'll know, <laughs> then you'll know why, okay? Um, does any, has anybody watched Black Mirror? I have not, although okay. I've been reading right. about well, it. Well, it sounds yeah. massively depressing, so I've been avoiding yes. it. Okay, well, they have one episode that actually wasn't depressing and had a very happy ending. But Yay! Uh, one happy ending! I'm, I'm spoiling it for people by that, but uh, let's just say this episode had a happy ending. Um, and then somebody on Reddit said, you know what, it's not happy because look at this, 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 and this, okay? Like these, and you know, it's a show that has a lot of, of mind, F-U-C-Ks, so, yeah. uh, you know, it's valid. However... Like, a lot of people are like, oh, maybe it wasn't a happy ending. So somebody asked Charlie Brooker, the author, the producer of the show, the writer, in an interview, and they said, oh, have you seen this theory that this didn't happen? He said, yes, it's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I was just like, I mean, maybe I went a little far. I was like, you know, I put up all these, like, you know, Jeff's, you know, it's like, bam, down goes Reddit, you know? It's like, all right, because I was like, guess what? You're wrong, Reddit user. You're wrong. And here's what somebody, one person, to be fair, said to me on Twitter. Uh, I think the writer shouldn't shoot down valid interpretations. The Reddit theory is in line with what is shown, and much better, in my humble opinion. Well, so, so what? Well, I'll so, say this. But well, I'm just like... But you, that's not personal. Right, but I'm yeah. just saying, that's the attitude I'm talking I about. Agree, well, I but agree. No, but I think there's a difference between that attitude, which is like, well, I think that my opinion about thing is right, and your opinion about thing is wrong. It's one thing. Right. 
And then personal abuse is a different thing. And I, both of them go on in comics. I agree, but I will Those say this also. That once you put a piece of uh, art popular or gallery, whatever you want, once you put it out in the world, you don't have control over how it is interpreted of course. anymore. The writer has every point to say, you know what? That was never in our minds. It's not what we're planning. And, you know, you can run with that wherever you want to. But, you know, you also, once it is in the world, yeah, the author's dead. The, the, the interpretations will proliferate right. of, for whatever I mean, reasons. Because that's, that's one of the aspects that makes something uh, art, uh, uh, gallery art or popular art, is that it is there to be contemplated and discussed. But right. That is, that is a traditional I, trope of I, literary yes, criticism. But I'm also saying that, you know, I mean, of course you could interpret things any way you want. Yeah, but it's also things. like when you say, oh, this is how it ended. And the writer of the story says, no, that's not how well, it ended. But, I think, but it's not an interpretation well, but to see, say that's how it ended. Yeah, well, well, no, I would say that if you are interpreting only what's on the screen, not what's said in interviews, not what J.K. Rowling told you six months later. If you are saying, I saw this, 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 and this on the screen, and everything you say is factual, and you're not leaving anything out, then it is certainly, from a literary criticism and art criticism perspective, valid to say, well, from what I saw on the screen, I think my interpretation's better. Like, that's a thing. That's how literary criticism works. Well, it's not the... The external opinion. I mean, it's well, it's, it's, I'm it's not valid, saying that's literary criticism, but it is. Well, it is. I don't think literacy is the fine things that are there that the author didn't put there. No, but I mean, it, what you're but saying, I'm I think saying is something is, a little different. No, no. This, have you ever heard of the author's dead theory? Uh, yes, yes. But, I, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Right, where where you can interpret you, a text any way you want. No, where you're interpreting the text itself. Yeah, you're not looking at anything outside the text. You're looking at the text, and so therefore that. Not that the author maybe didn't have a different intention. That's valid. That's the author's thing. But that you are saying, looking at what's actually on the screen, this is an interpretation you could have. Right. And and I think that you can have both things at once. You can have... You you know what that is? That's an approach. Okay? That is an approach. And that is a valid approach. It's a valid approach. I agree with that. But I'm also saying that that approach also can lead to this whole idea that the creator is meaningless. And I and I feel like but I don't, what's happening on Twitter. Okay? I think that you are conflating two things. You are conflating an approach toward fictional works right. and a way of relating to human beings. And both of those things are going on in comics sure, they're related, and in fandom. They're related, but, they're, yeah, but, but they're not the same thing. Well, I mean, somebody saying, well, I think that Inception's ending, really, that I think this ending makes, that this interpretation of the ending makes sense, makes more sense than the official interpretation of the ending, is different from saying, screw you, director, you're, insert bad thing here. Right, so one is a rude rude expression of the same idea. Yeah. No, they're one not. Polite, no, no, they're not. They're expressions of two different things. One of them is talking about the work. Right. And one of them is talking about the author. And those are two different things. Well, I gotta be, you know something? Actually, by that token, some of the criticism that Chelsea Kane got was about the work. They said they yeah. didn't like the agenda of Absolutely. the work, and it wasn't for them. Absolutely. Okay. You know? My point and is this, is that I, no, I, just said, I think but, part of what we're talking about here is the civility of these exchanges, yes, because they're not, you, you cannot really eliminate 
the, the ability of people to talk about works and to theorize them and take them in places that they maybe were never intended to go. It's going to happen. That's in reasonable. In some ways, it should happen. It but is I an do appropriate think what thing. we're talking about here is what level of civility that we can achieve where you we can talk about this stuff and not have it turned into like a an awful war of humiliation on yes. both sides. Yes, yes. On, and, but that's on both sides. I really see, I just don't feel that the ends justify the means. I really don't well, feel I, that. I, 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 I feel like we're talking at cross purposes because in no way am I yeah. saying that like the ends justify the means. I'm saying that that situations like this make it all the more clear and make people who maybe are used to, like myself, Used to the comic world, used to the way we talk yeah. to each other, used to the fact that you, this is just what you get. That, um, that maybe the level of civility in the comics world as a whole online is is lower than it is other places. I, I would, it is, and that that's <laughs> bad. Well, the Hope Larson's great uh, quote about Web two point oh, how much she said she much preferred. Real books, because you said, you know, when you get to the end of a book on uh, the last page, it isn't a whole bunch of pages of people telling you you suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's right. I thought that. I said, well, you know, you just summed up the modern age yeah. just right there. You know? But I mean, <laughs> I, but I, I'm saying that I think that comics, comics does have a higher level yeah, of people at the end telling you you're crap. But I, but I, personally yes, crap. But I think they're from every spectrum of the political. And I, political I was not uh, debating that. Yes. Yeah. I was not debating that. That did not come up. At it, no point it, did I say, oh, those lousy whatevers. I yeah. was saying that uh, we maybe, maybe we do have gotten used to a lower uh, level but, of civility. But, uh, but I will say this. I do, you know, the people that I'm more sympathetic to, obviously, are people who want to have a more diverse industry and who want Yeah, you know, absolutely. Personally, I, you know, if you're saying that women have been driven out of comics, yeah, absolutely. You know, and that the abuse that you get as a woman in comics is 10 times what you get as a man. Yes, absolutely. You know, I mean, that's... I mean, maybe, absolutely for sure. Maybe this is something inherent in Twitter. You only have 147 no. characters or whatever it is. I mean, instead of, you know, uh, you know, look, I'm just putting this well, out. I don't necessarily even believe it myself. Uh, and maybe the, does it encourage short, curt dismissals as opposed to even just a, a, a short, um, you know, nuanced response well yeah. i'm i'm gonna be I honest know. i don't even hang out on twitter right. i'm like our token non-twitterer yeah but and, and healthy for you uh but i will say that in places of comics discussion that are not twitter this is no different yeah it's just that it's longer yeah. and involves cat, get yeah. cat gifts yeah right um so let me make of that what you will and, and, and i don't know all the stuff around this maybe you guys do but the um the uh the scott campbell uh, Iron Man, Riri, draw I, cover I that know that. drew. Right. Um, but uh, I was encouraged to see that, you know, instead of, you know, doing a Frank Cho, he came back and did another drawing well, like that was quite delightful. He did. he did the delightful drawing that's gotten, uh, you know, a lot of positive response. Yeah. And and I hope that this industry can do things well, maybe but, you a know, little I, but, better. But you know what? That's a perfect example. Because, and I saw people going both ways. I think there was people who were throwing shade at J. Scott Campbell for being sleazy and creepy and all that. They sure were. That's all that. They certainly were. And then there were people who were saying, you know what, this is an editorial decision that wasn't sound. And he wasn't given the right, the proper 
direction to say this is... He might not have even known that she was a teenage girl. I don't think, you know... Well, I think he knew. Well, I know, but I, but I mean, <laughs> but I... But you know what? It, she was just wearing the exact same clothes that the that she was in the, the reference material he was given. Yeah, okay? yeah but it's, it's all well, about the interpretation. Of course it was, yeah. and I'm not saying, but I'm also... Yeah. Like, if you hired J. Scott Campbell, he probably thought he was going to draw it like J. Scott Campbell. And it's but, what he did. <laughs> but if you read, like, he was very vocal, and he admitted at the time that he did the cover in a hurry, and it wasn't a very good drawing. Yeah, he it wasn't. That. He it wasn't. right away. So I think it's as a point of pride that he went back and said, let me do a good drawing and really mm-hmm. put some thought into this and show him that yes. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. okay. Yes. And this is a drawing of the, of yeah. the, the teen black uh, new Iron Man yes. slash yes. girl. Iron Heart. Um, Iron Heart, yes. exactly. And um, it was a cover image, but then he did a black and white drawing that I thought really did, in fact, Embody the character and the kind of things that we want to see in a kind of yeah. in a young female Absolutely. dynamic character. His credit, I think we all agree. None of us are happy with, you know. Even while we recognize that, you know, this is kind of the world we live in, you know. But but, but we on can the other certainly hand, object to to the stuff that goes too far, right? And, and I we know what that right. when we hear it, right? Well, we uh, do, but some people don't. Some people no, don't, right? That, but absolutely. I, well, I think that the point that I was trying to make is that when we say it's the world we live in. We are so ensconced in our comic bubble that we think it's the world. And then we see a glimpse of someone who's from outside that bubble who looks around and says, what the hell is this? And we realize that maybe it's not the world. Maybe it's just our bubble that's really messed up. Yeah, I know. And and as I recall reading some of Kane's commentary, she said, no, I'm not getting rape threats or any of that. But I don't like this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And who could blame her? (laughs) But I mean, you know, one of the things that she said in her blog post was that, you know, she had this conversation overnight, and then when she woke up, she looked at her Twitter, she had, like, thousands and thousands of mentions, and she was just like, never mind. And she just went and deleted her Twitter, you know, her account. And and so it wasn't... But some of those mentions were abuse. Some of them yeah. were people well, supporting her. Yeah, it was exactly. Just like she just didn't want the drama. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, yeah. and, and I but guess the reasonable. level of intensity. Because comics people are intense. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, I have to say that... <laughs> they just are. That were I a major comic book creator, or even a mid-tier comic creator, or I would put some of the mini comics. Well, no, <laughs> not yet. But what I'm saying is, if there was someone who was showing up on the visibility scale a bit, that I would be very careful with my social media presence because I would, because of the stuff out there, and you know, in order to keep your sanity almost in such a universe, you have to ga- gauge what you can handle. And, and what she want to handle. Does she have kids old enough to be on Twitter? Yes. Because her kid yeah, tweeted I, her. No, the kid texted her. Texted yeah, her. Yeah, but, but still old enough to be on Twitter. But, but, but if you can text, you, if you, can, text, yeah. you can tweet. Yeah. You might not want... I mean, maybe you don't want your kids, kids to see this stuff. You know, whatever it is. Whatever. I'm just saying, yeah. That, that you know, it's... The comic industry can be a scary place. And this makes us realize that again. Yeah. Right. And that it, maybe it's... It's a bad thing. Yeah. But I, yes, but I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, this will be the last time yeah. we talk about this. Of course not. Sadly. Kate, news briefs. And news briefs. So, in a much happier, scary thing, <laughs> okay. R.L. Stein of Goosebumps fame will be writing for Marvel. There you go. Step up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, not scary at all. Rather cute, actually. A number of major Japanese politicians have shown up in 
cosplay, yes. I don't just mean that in a broad term. I mean literally dressing up as characters from anime and manga this Halloween. Can you imagine what this would look like in our election climate? I mean... Might be a relief, actually. Oh my god, I wish we could have that. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of am envisioning someone drawing the political cartoon of this right now. It's beautiful. Okay. And also, speaking of manga, Kodansha. Kodansha is going just a little bit more digital now. They are releasing over 750 titles on Bookwalker Global. Now here is where I admit... I don't know what Bookwalker Global is, but now that it has Calvin does, I Calvin does. Yeah. But yeah. now that it has seven hundred and fifty uh, Kadansha titles, maybe I will. What is it, Calvin? Well, Bookwalker is um, uh, well. Bookwalker first off is owned by Katakawa, uh, mm-hmm. another major uh, Japanese publishing house, who um, uh, are making a, a, a an aggressive uh, marketing and promotional uh, uh, effort to target the North American market. Um, they have basically launched an, an English and Japanese language version of a company that they run in Japan just for Japanese language. Yeah. Uh, uh, prose and manga. So Bookwalker is going to be, uh, it's really going to be aggressively promoted in North America. It's going to specialize and target the uh, American otaku. Uh, it's, it's, it's a Japanese pop culture focused um, uh, a retail, ebook retail site. Uh, that will focus on manga and light novels, the, yes. the prose works that the illustrated prose works that are either based on manga or in Japan, I think actually many manga are based on yeah light, on light novels. Light novels are like they're they're like um, those paperbacks you might find in the grocery store. Yeah, like novelizations. I mean, in they're, this country, they're, except they're light. They're not. Like they're, they're, big, well, that's the idea. Yeah, that's small, the idea. The idea but is also multi-volume, also. Right, right. Yeah. The, the concept of the light novel is they're typically genre works that yeah. are easily digestible in light. Yes, and they're, and they're illustrated. Usually, they're usually with of, pictures. Of, yes, pictures illustrated uh, with uh, manga and anime-like drawings of the principal characters and the plots and all the rest. So. Um, uh, Bookwalker uh, that's aimed to the U.S. is going to feature about 700 Japanese publishers, about 30 English language publishers. Uh, Kodansha was a big get because they obviously have such a an extensive amount of collection. So you're going to see a lot more of them. And in fact, in a week or two, we have a much fuller story that'll be in at publishersweekly.com slash comics, uh, written by Bridget Alverson. But, uh, we'll have a much fuller story on Bookwalker, what it is, was, and what their plans are for North America. Uh, can we currently say when Bookwalker is going live? It's live right now. It's okay, live right now. And yes. when are our seven hundred and fifty Kodansha titles? Uh, they're they're live right now too. Yeah, so okay. there's more to come from Bookwalker, so to speak. And speaking <laughs> of more to come, we have reached the end of today's program, but there will be more to come.